Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. I'm glad you're able to join us again on another episode of Let the Bible Speak. We do appreciate you taking the time each week to listen and to download the podcast for those of you who use that means to hear these programs. Today's episode is the sharing of a message from Romans chapter 12. Very often we point people to Christ and the need to believe the gospel and be saved. Well, today we consider some of the repercussions of that decision as we come to Christ. So we are called to give our lives upon the altar for the Lord. We're called to serve as living sacrifices. And so in this summer period, may God help us to renew our zeal to serve the Lord and to serve his people, even as those who've been born again of the Spirit of God. So may God bless his word to your hearts today. Romans 12 verse 1, the word of God says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man that measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Amen. We trust that God will bless his word uh, to your souls again tonight. The offerings of the brazen altar are taken by Paul and Peter and are used as a pattern for the Christian service of the believer. Henry the Commentator says this, The sacrifices typified Christ. They also shadowed out the believer's duty, character, privilege, and communion with God. And so there was in those uh, old writers understanding that whilst this sacrificial system points to Christ, there were lessons in it that pointed toward the duty and the conduct of the believer. And one other modern writer has said this, God requires another sacrifice from believers. They are to present themselves as a living sacrifice to God. I want to show you that tonight. Now, the language of the sacrificial system is very instructive to us as the people of God. So you have Romans 12, verse 1, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Turn over also to Hebrews chapter 13. And let me show you it here. Hebrews chapter 13. And the verse number 15, where it says, Hebrews 13, 15, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And you've also got First Peter. Turn to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 and the verse number 5. 
Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. All three of these references, they use Old Testament language for New Testament worship. The language of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament is borrowed and translated into New Testament, New Covenant conduct, whereby we are encouraged, therefore, to look backwards and to see what lessons we learn from the Old that will indeed teach us how we should live in the era of the New Covenant. So to begin with, I want to prove the connection. I want to show you the connection between the altar sacrifice and the life of the New Testament saint. And based on Romans chapter 12, I want to show you that there are four terms that Paul uses that are drawn from the language of the Old Testament. They are the terms present, sacrifice, acceptable, and service. Those four terms are used in verse number 1 of Romans chapter 12. Present. Well, uh, the first century believers would have been very familiar with the concept of sacrifice. And before you jump ahead and say, well, the Gentiles weren't, well, that's not true. In the teaching of the apostles, from the very beginning of the apostolic ministry, there was the showing of Gentiles the connection of Christ as Jesus in the New Testament with the promises and the promises of the Old. So even in the early times of teaching Gentiles, they were shown very quickly the connection between the old and the new. So let's just take for granted that all New Testament believers would have had some familiarity with the Old Testament sacrificial concepts. And so when Paul says that ye present your bodies, he is borrowing from that Old Testament concept. This is not the most common word used for the presentation of sacrifice in the New Testament. The word offer is used more regularly. But this word present is drawn from Old Testament language. Then you've got the word sacrifice that is also used. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, this is a very standard word for Old Testament religious service. It's used regarding the Levitical sacrifice in Hebrews 7, 27, Hebrews 8, verse 3. In both those portions, it's referring to the sacrifice that was conducted by the Levites in the, in the temple. And then you've got the word acceptable. Well, how does that connect? Well, that word speaks of something that is well-pleasing. With a similar concept, I've read those verses, Hebrews 13 and the verse number 16, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Acceptable, well pleasing. It draws from the language of the ascending burnt offering. Remember what we saw in the burnt offering? That word speaks of something ascending to God as a sweet savor to the Lord. Uh, the idea of being sweet before the Lord, it implies acceptance by the Lord. Jeremiah 6 says, Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. So the burnt offering was sweet to the Lord, accepted to the Lord, and it is that concept that Paul is drawing from here, that the sacrifice of the believer is acceptable, it is pleasing unto the Lord. Then finally, you have the word service, which is your reasonable service. Again, this word is used regularly in connection with the Old Testament. And you go back to Romans chapter 9, you're in Romans, go back to Romans 9, 
And the verse number four, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God. And there's the word service used there, the, the worship, the ceremonies connected to the worship of God. There's a fourfold evidence here to Paul referring to Old Testament sacrifices. And so as you read of the Old Testament offerings being brought to the gates and then to the altar, you need to ask the question, well, what do they teach me about my life? Well, I know they point forward to my reliance upon Christ, but what does the conduct of the Old Testament believer point to my life and my conduct in the New Testament? Well, immediately we think of those sacrifices being offered willingly, completely, generously. All those things immediately come to mind when we think about the life of the believer. But to develop it further, having proven the connection I trust, I want to point out some of the contrasts. Because these are not direct equivalents. And so there are three things I want to show you by way of contrast here. The first one is the contrast with the offerer. There's a contrast here with the one presenting the offering. In verse number 1 of Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, in the language of 1 Peter chapter 2, those who are to present these sacrifices are a kingdom of priests. Significant. Uh, this new covenant sacrifice is not just the duty of a select band of priests, but is the duty of the entire church, the duty of every Christian. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 is often preached to young people, or maybe preached in the context of a missionary meeting or a missionary call. It's to rally the young people, or rally the missionary and say, you've got to give your body as a living sacrifice. And it's preached in that context. And perhaps so much so that the believer in the pew sits back and says, well, Romans 12 verse 1 has nothing to do with me. I'm 75 years old, part of the church of Christ. Other texts apply to me, but Romans 12 verse 1 certainly does not. But I'm showing you here that this text is applied by Paul and then by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. It is applied to the entire body of believers, all the saints. There's also a contrast in regard to the offering. Now, in Romans 12, there are three words used, three adjectives that are used to qualify the word sacrifice. You have the word living, you have the word holy, and you have the word acceptable. Uh, holy and acceptable, they, they come together. They come together in our, in our text, and they, they come together in the sense of the, of the original as well. See, what we offer to the Lord is well-pleasing to God when it is holy unto the Lord. The contrast here is seen in that the sacrifice is not an animal, but it is the person. Not another, but ourselves. Uh, the people of God are generally very, very good at offering up others to serve. You'd be good at that job. You should do that job. Or you'd be good at this area. You should do that job. We, we offer other people. But here the challenge is to present ourselves. To challenge ourselves as to what God would have us to do. And note here the body is emphasized that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
Now, there is some divergence of opinion here regarding the mention of the word body here. Is it referring to the physical body or the totality of the person? Well, it's clear that you can't live for God truly in the body without the soul being involved, the soul delighting and willing to offer themselves. And so whatever view you take, whether it's the body particularly or the body in connection with the entire humanity, note the physical body is included. And that's important. In the Greek philosophy of Paul's day, there had been a depreciation of the value of the body. The, the highest level of ethics that a man could strive for was to be free from their body. Escaping their body and all the degrading influence of the body. Oh, the body degrees, the body hinders uh, freedom, and true freedom spiritually is in the absence of the bodily's hindrances. That concept is not foreign from people in the Church of Christ today. They look upon their flesh and they think of sin, and they look at their soul and they think holiness. And such mindedness is muddled. We are a body-soul entity. And we live in the body as those who possess a never-dying soul. Our souls are marked by sin as our bodies are, but our bodies also must be marked by holiness as our souls ought to be. There's a need for the entire man to be offered to God. Not just our spirituality in prayer or in song, but the entire man being given over to God in the service of Christ. That's a very important principle here. Paul will say in Galatians chapter 2, at the text we quote often, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Is this offering that Paul highlights here is not dead but living. It's a contrast. It's a living sacrifice. And that has to be stated to make it clear. We're dead in sin, but alive in Christ. And it's those who are alive in Christ that then offer themselves on the altar to God. One man, David Brown, says this, Christ's sacrifice, I love this, has swept all dead victims off the altar of God's. What a wonderful thought. Christ, he gave himself finally as a final dead sacrifice upon the altar. And as he rose victorious over the grave, so he then enables all his people, all those in him, to be that living sacrifice. Oh, that word living is precious in the context of New Testament theology of sanctification. We're dead in sin, but we're made alive in Christ. And it is this living sacrifice that is then offered to God. And so the point for you to consider tonight again is this sacrifice, it is for you all and it is for you now. It is for you now in the physicality of your humanity, in your bodies. You're given your entire bodies to serve the Lord. The contrast in the offerer, in the offering, and also the contrast crucially in the order here. The burnt offerings were offered in order to secure atonement and forgiveness. He offered the sacrifice so that you could know forgiveness with God. Here, though, we are urged by Paul, I beseech you by the mercies of God, or even if you like, out of or in light of the mercies of God, you present your bodies. In other words, it is out of atonement and forgiveness 
that the body is presented. Not unto it, but out of it. You think of the previous 11 chapters of Romans and the rich doctrinal content and the glories of God's grace from justification to redemption to sanctification to reconciliation to adoption to victory. All of those things are in these chapters. And in light of all of the gospel truths, we are then to present our bodies unto God. What a blessing it is. You see, the presenting of ourselves is not atoning. It does not secure forgiveness. Luther had to find it out, didn't he? He tried hard to find atonement by presenting himself to God. And he found, well, this is not atoning. I don't don't find peace with God. The blessings of the mercies of God are enjoyed by all of God's people. Therefore, again, I remind you the obligation this takes applies to each and every one of us. To young believer, to old believer, each and every one of us are under the obligation of this text. Whoever knows the mercies of God is obligated to present their bodies out of those mercies unto God. Thus, this sacrifice is what Paul says, reasonable. It is your reasonable service. The word speaks of logic. In light of God's mercies to the sinner, no other way of life makes any sense. Let that sink in. Any other way of life than a life of sacrificial devotion to God is inconsistent with the enjoyment of the mercies of God. Logic dictates that those who know the mercy of God will therefore, in light of those mercies, they will present their bodies to God, a living sacrifice. Oh, there are some, of course, who claim to know the mercies of God, but they don't live their lives fully for the Lord. And that would make no sense to the apostle. The apostle going, that is illogical. If I take the opposite, it is illogical to say, you know God mercy, God's mercies, but yet there is no sacrifice unto God in your life. So having, I trust, proven the connection and then pointed out the contrast here, I want to promote the consequences. If this is so, so what? Sermons on this text are often heavy on motivation and short on practical. It's easy to say, offer yourself a living sacrifice. Sit down, say, go home and figure it out. You go home and work that out in your own context. Well, I can't go through every single area of application. It applies in the home, it applies in the church, it applies in the family, it applies in the workplace, it applies in so many areas. It doesn't mean that you have to go to Australia or Uganda, or Kenya, is that the sense here? You get this text, and you've got to say, oh, I've, got to, I've got to give myself a sacrifice, I've got to get up and go. Is that what it means? No. And that is not what it means to the Apostle Paul, primarily. See, when you look at these three texts, not just the Romans text, but also those in Hebrews and 1 Peter, there are some very, very simple applications First of all, there is the application here of the believer's responsibility to identify the gifts that God has given them. The stipulations for the burnt offering allowed for various animals to be used depending on the provision of God, the herd or the flock or the fowls. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul, having given this strong exhortation, then goes on to highlight the variability of the grace of God in individual believers. 
that in verse number 3, they are to carefully consider who they are and what they are in the sight of God. Not to have an over-exalted view of themselves, but to have a sober view. And that requires thought and careful thought to see what is the grace that God has given to me? What gifts has God given to me that I can be serving him as a living sacrifice in my flesh, in my body today? Every single child of God is indwelt by the Spirit of God and is useful in the service of God. Every single child of God. Far, far too many too many believers in the church of Christ themselves in a very general sense. They view their Christian life as coming and receiving things in the church without ever considering the gifts that God has given them whereby they could be useful in the service of the church. And there's nobody useless in the church of Christ. The gifts will vary. They will vary in degree and they will vary in, in, in role, but they are there in every single believer. So identify the gifts that God has given you. Secondly, you're then to utilize those gifts faithfully. The sacrifice was bound to the altar. A willing commitment to serve Christ faithfully is of the very nature of this sacrifice. We are faithful in using the gifts that God has given us. I think that's the sense of the words in verse number 7. Of ministry, let us wait on our ministering. He that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation. In other words, whatever your gift is, do it. And keep on doing it. Don't give up in doing it. Be faithful, be reliable, be dependable in your faithfulness to Christ as you give your bodies a living sacrifice. It'll vary, but it is your responsibility to be faithful in these things. And finally, we are to utilize the gifts that God has given us, particularly in the service of the church. We are to offer ourselves on the sacrifice to the Lord for the benefit of others. You see the context here? It is in the serving of others that we then serve the Lord. The union of the Lord and his people is such that Matthew 25 says, Inasmuch as ye did it, to one of the least of these, ye did it to me. And so you read verse 1. Present your bodies unto God. But then Paul goes on to deal with it in the context of how that presentation is for the benefit of the entire body. Verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord in the context of the various gifts that God has given us. Romans 12, verse 1, and the principle does not end at the word service in verse number 1. It goes all the way through to the midsection of the chapter, where we serve the Lord as we serve the church. And so Hebrews chapter 13 refers to our sacrifice as being service, or praise, sorry, as being a service and a sacrifice to the Lord. And the word communicate is used in verse 16 of Hebrews 13. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That word speaks of fellowship. Oh, it can speak of financial fellowship, but even more broadly, it just speaks of sharing together. 
If we are not living our Christian life with the deliberate purpose of promoting the well-being of others in the church, then we are not on the altar for God. Whatever else you may think, if your motivation is not to serve the body of believers of which you're a part, then you can profess all you like to be a living sacrifice. But if you're not serving others in your service, then there's a disconnect with what the Word of God teaches. Now, this altar upon which we put our bodies is the body of Christ, if you like. It is for the well-being of the body of Christ. What are we doing to help each other? Practically, prayerfully. What are we doing to encourage the spiritual well-being of others? Are we really living sacrifice unto God in terms of our church life? You see, when you take this passage and limit, limit it to the youth or to full-time service, well, we often excuse ourselves as challenge. In light of the gospel, we are all to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Eyes to see, ears to hear, arms to embrace, hands to help, mouths to encourage and comfort, instruct and rebuke, knees to kneel and feet to go. You take whatever part of the body you feel like. And there is a means whereby you can serve the body of Christ in your flesh, in your bodies unto the Lord. Let me close with Matthew Henry. He says this, Where God's providence has put much into a man's power, scanty offerings will not be accepted, for they are not proper expressions of a willing mind. And let us be devoted in body and soul to his service. Whatever he may cause to give, venture, do, or suffer for his sake. It's a sobering thing when your Christian life is placed under this word sacrifice. Giving something sacrificially for the glory of Christ and the good of the body. Sacrifices cost. They are sacrificial but they are our reasonable service. And may God help us to know how to really apply this in our souls today for his name's sake. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.